I'm Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater, opening on Broadway at the Majestic Theater November 4th, 1954, Fanny, with a book by N.S. Berman and Joshua Logan and music and lyrics by Harold Rome, was based on the play and film trilogy Marius, Fanny, and Cesar by Marcel Pagnol. Directed by co-author Joshua Logan, the original cast included Florence Henderson as Fanny, Ezio Pinza as Cesar, William Tabert as Marius, and Walter Slezak as Panisse. The play is the story of Fanny, a young woman whose childhood love, Marius, leaves her to go to sea as a sailor for five years. His father, Cesar, a tavern owner, disowns him. After his departure, Fanny discovers she's pregnant. Under pressure from her mother, she marries Panisse, an older man whose delight at having an heir prompts him to keep the boy's illegitimacy a secret. When Marius returns on his son's first birthday to claim both him and Fanny, the story moves towards its dramatic conclusion. Joshua Logan directed a 1961 film adaptation of Fanny based on both Pagnol's original plays and the book he and N.S. Berman had written for the stage musical. Although all the songs were eliminated, Harold Rome's music was heard in the soundtrack underscore. The film starred Leslie Caron, Marie Chevalier, Charles Boyer, and Horst Buchholz. Four days after Fanny premiered on Broadway, the company and some guests assembled with Skitch Henderson and his orchestra to discuss the newly opened production and to meet the cast and to present musical selections to whet the appetites of audience members who would have the glorious gift of experiencing Fanny live on stage at the Majestic Theatre. Here on the November 8th, 1954 episode of NBC's Best of All, our composer-lyricist Harold Rome, singers Elizabeth Doubleday, Clark Dennis, Earl Wrightson, and the show's stars, Ezio Pinza, William Tabert, and Florence Henderson as Fanny. This is Best of All. Tonight, starring Skitch Henderson with Earl Wrightson, Clark Dennis, Elizabeth Doubleday, Sylvia Michaels, and Keith Texter, and interviews with Ezio Pinza, Florence Henderson, William Tabard, and composer Harold Rome. This is Kenneth Banghart presenting for NBC Best of All, another in a series of programs saluting each week an outstanding American achievement in the fields of musical comedy, operetta, and motion pictures. This week, Best of All, partly transcribed, salutes the opening of a great new musical show on Broadway, Fanny.
You'll hear all about Fanny in a moment, but first a song from this production. Clark Dennis sings and Skitch Henderson in the orchestra play Restless Heart. I see a silver bird that streaks the sky And off we fly, my heart and I My restless heart and I I see a cloud dance by and fade from view There we go to, my heart and I, my restless heart and I, I say to each new ship that sails the bay, are you the Come at last This golden day To set us free Take us away with you We cry My restless heart My restless, 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 restless Thursday night, Broadway welcomed a new and wistfully engaging musical. How this enterprise came about is more than usually interesting. Those who frequent the art theaters and the movie houses which offer foreign films have long been aware of a series of three tender, charmingly funny, and heart-winning motion pictures from France, entitled respectively Marius, Fanny, and César. These three connected stories were from the pen of that delightful teller of humorous tales, Marcel Pagnol. 
and they form the basis of the new musical family. Abetting one another in a conspiracy to make us forget all grave and serious matters are David Merrick and Joshua Logan, the producers, S.N. Behrman and Joshua Logan, the authors of the musical drama, Joshua Logan, the director, Harold Rome, the composer, and in addition to many other fine performers, Ezio Pinza, Walter Slezak, William Tabert, and a delightful newcomer, Florence Henderson, whom you'll hear later in this program. At this point, I'm going to ask Skitch Henderson to introduce one of the principal collaborators in the great musical family. Skitch? Thank you, Mr. Banghart. This night is a special thrill for me. It's always a thrill to do music of the American theater, but especially when a musical that we're dealing with tonight, this musical being Fanny, has to do with friends of mine in the American theater. It probably makes emotionally a great deal of difference. Tonight, as Ken has told you, uh, we are doing not only music of Fanny, but we are doing music of and about the life of one Mr. Harold Rome, who put most of the effort into this great score, which we're going to do for you tonight. And I thought by way of formal billing, Harold, if I may, first I should say good evening. Good evening. Good evening, <laughs> Skitch. Now we'll put away the formality. Harold, I'd like to go back into your, into your life just a little bit, not too many years, of course, but I'd like to remind the people that you have given us many other great hours of pleasure in the theater. Where would, where would we begin? Well, if I've been around for a long time, go back to 1937, which was Pins and Needles, my first show. Uh, Which was a hit. Uh, yes, it ran for four years. It spoiled me a little bit, you know, because mm -hmm. I said, how long has this been going on? You write a show and bang, it goes for four years. It didn't happen again. <laughs> how did you happen to uh, be called in on Pins and Needles? Well, that, I was a rehearsal pianist for it. You know, I earned my way through college playing the piano. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd gotten a job in a summer theater writing shows. And uh, uh, the, this was the International Ladies' Garment Workers' Union. I remember They were that. planning to do an amateur review, and they called me in as rehearsal pianist. I played three nights a week for them. I made $25 a week for it, and I threw in my material free. <laughs> uh, so, and finally, the, after a year of rehearsal, the show was put on supposedly for weekends. We played one weekend, and it became such a smash that all the members had to join Actors' Equity, and it went on to run for four years. What was some of the music that you did for the score of Pins and Needles? Uh, well, the one that you might remember is Sunday in the Park. That's the first song I ever had on the hit parade. Mm -hmm. And boy, I'll never forget that either. Driving in, in the car, which I had been able to buy from the royalties of, of uh, Pins and Needles, turning on the radio and hearing the hit parade and hearing my own song on it. How about, uh, I think we should mention also Call Me Mister. Oh, yes, that was uh, after a, a term in the Army. I was in the Army from 1943 for about three years. Mm -hmm. uh, and after I got out, I did Call Me Mister, which was uh, a show about the fun of getting out of the Army and the, the trials and tribulations of being in the Army. Uh, I entered the Army as a private and came out as a corporal. In three years, I worked myself up. Mm -hmm. But I think on account of that, I could write the show, which was from the enlisted man's point of view. Uh, I remember maybe, South America. Take it away from that Yeah, that, that was in that show. Call Me Mister was in that show. Uh, along With Me was uh, from that, too. There are others. I, I uh, keep playing the album every now and then. I love to go back mm -hmm. because it was a happy show. How about Sing Out the News? What era did you do oh, that? Oh, Sing Out the News was 1939. That was my second show. Just before show. the Army. 
uh, had a wonderful song out of that called Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones, which did very well. Too. That's the song that I always think of. Associate, it's funny, you know, I associate that song with you more than any other song. I think that everybody that's in the music profession associates certain songs with certain writers. Whenever I think of you, I always think of that song. Well, you couldn't please me more by saying that. <laughs> I suppose that uh, the number one talk as a predecessor to Fanny should be... Uh, wish You Were Here, which is really quite a fabulous story as far as Broadway is concerned. Yeah, well, that's it? the last last mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, that is a fabulous story. That's the story uh, where we got, uh, shall we say, lukewarm reviews on on the whole, except for dear old John Chapman, who loved it from the first day. And we kept working on the show for two months, three months afterwards. And uh, it turned into a big smash hit, finally. Harold, what, well, how do you uh, attribute a show like that being a success? Is it word of mouth in spite yeah. of the critics? Is There's the one it? thing that makes the show a success after the critics, if it can survive the critics long enough, and that is whether the audience likes it. Mm -hmm. The big test of a show, we found out, you, or anyone can find out in the theater, is the audience. If they love it, if they go out and tell their friends to go, that's what makes the show, and that's what makes a hit in the final analysis. The reviews can help you at the beginning, to get people to come to the theater and to keep you running until you can get enough word of mouth. But it's been proven time and time again that the only real test of a theater is the audience. If you tuned in a bit late, ladies and gentlemen, may I repeat that you're listening to the voice of one Mr. Harold Rome, uh, certainly a great man of popular music here in America. Harold, we're going to come back to you in just a little bit. I'm going to take a hiatus now talking to you and go back to the podium, if I may, and I'll turn this microphone over to Mr. Banghart. The waltz, in the opinion of some of us, is never so lovely as when it's gay. And that's how it is in Fanny, where in the happiest moment of the show, everyone joins in the hit which Elizabeth Doubleday sings for us now, Why Be Afraid to Dance.
Perhaps Skitch Henderson can persuade Harold Rome to tell us something of the tribulations and triumphs involved in his preparing the music for Fanny. Skitch? Thank you, Kenneth. Harold, I live in... in uh, my wife and I, Faye, live in, up in Connecticut, and we have a near neighbor by the name of Josh Logan. And quite... well, quite a while ago, he talked to us about his impending ideas about Fanny. Where did you enter the picture? Uh, it was a year ago... I think over a year ago, January. Mm -hmm. uh, that means not this last January, but yes, the January before ago. that. Uh, when uh, Josh was shown the pictures by David Merrick and decided to do the show, and they asked me to do the score. Uh, that's a long time, but this was a very tough job to do. Uh, Fanny is based on three plays by Marcel Pagnol, which were made into three movies. Uh, the total time of the three movies is nine hours. And it's nine hours packed full of the most wonderful stuff you've ever seen. And our problem was to first to condense it enough and be able to tell the story in two and a half hours on the stage, which means about uh, an hour and a quarter of book and an hour and a quarter of music. And it was a tough problem. Harold, how in the world in a story like this, which is an unusual story really for the theater, how do you go about uh, deciding in which direction you're going to write? As far as well, you talk concerned. it over. What really happens is you talk for a long time, uh, trying to get the high emotional points of the story, because you know those are going to be the points where the songs come in. Josh Logan has a theory about songs in a musical, which is wonderful, which I've learned from him in the past four years of association, and which has been very valuable, which is that at a certain emotional point, when people can no longer talk, they sing. And if you can work that right, a song never feels forced, you never feel there's a cue to it. It just comes naturally out of the situation. So the first problem was to find those emotional points. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the first two songs I did were the two big emotional points. One was Welcome Home, and the other was Fanny. Those were the two, two first songs done. And although I wrote them, both of them, uh, in about a day each, uh, they were preceded by about four weeks of constant talk. If you examine Fanny, uh, it may seem like a very simple song until you realize the problem we had there, which is a boy telling a girl that he loves the sea more than he loves her, and he's going to leave her and go to sea. But in doing that, he has to make the audience like him, show the audience why the girl likes him, show that he's a bit uh, uh, on the dreamy and poetic side, and make his, his leaving sound... Uh, real. Now, this is a very tough job. 
I'm very happy with what I'm doing at the present time. <laughs> Harold, if you don't mind, I'll leave the theater to you. How, how much rewrite, how much editing does it take on the average song that you write? Well, it depends. Sometimes uh, they come right the first time, like Fanny, which was done in, they say, one Sunday. Yes, that I started in the morning. You said that. Yeah. I started in the morning, and by the evening I had it, and not a note or not a uh, lyric has been changed since then. But as I say, that was after talking it over for about four weeks. Now, Welcome Home, on the other hand, I did three versions of. Uh, the first was too long and too uh, talky. Uh, then I redid it again and uh, didn't like the way the music went. So I finally did a third version. That, to get right, took about four months. Uh, uh, you have, sometimes you get stale on a song. You have to just put it away and wait till you come back to it with a fresh point of view. Uh, some, uh, the Love is a Very Light Thing, the song that Pinsley sings in the second act. Yes. Uh, is the seventh version of that that uh, title that I wrote. And it's, the funny thing is that as I kept writing new versions, I kept simplifying it till I finally got down to this one, which is a very simple song. By that time, I had gotten so discouraged with the whole thing <laughs> that I wanted to throw it out. And at this point, I just played it for Logan to show them, to prove to him that I had been working for a long time on it. And he heard it and he said, that's it. Don't change it. Don't touch it. And I said, but it's so simple. It's... Uh, he said, leave well enough alone. That's the way it's going to be. <laughs> and do you ever change a song, Harold, after you hear the performer do it? Yes, sometimes you do. You find out on the stage that uh, things you thought projected don't come through, that you've made it too complicated, or uh, sometimes that you've made it too simple. Usually it's the other way. Usually it's a process of, of, of uh, simplifying what you've done because uh, it has to be pretty clear and broad on the stage. Well, Harold, it's certainly wonderful to hear some of the problems and trials and tribulations behind the scenes of a great successful musical like Fanny. I think we'll rest now a moment. Our talk, if we might, I'll go back to the podium and I'll turn this microphone back to Ken. Thank you, Skitch. And now that we've heard about how Harold Rome wrote the title song, let's hear the result. Earl Wrightson sings Fanny. As I may live, Fanny, 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 you long as I may live, Fanny, if I could love, that's what I would say. Wonder 
beyond the shore Through the isles neath the winds Where the spice wood grows I must know them all Or sleep no more Here's a boy with no heart to give Fanny, Fanny, Fanny Not worth one tear you'll cry Fanny, oh Fanny I'll have to, at this time, ask Mr. Banghart, the gentleman of the orchestra, and Mr. Harold Rome, whom we're saluting tonight, also Josh Logan and all the company, I'll have to ask them to stand aside if I may, because as a conductor, it's a great pleasure for me to talk to singers at any time. But this singer is extra special because she's not only very wonderful in the voice medium as to vocal ability, but a fine actress, and besides that, her last name just happens to be <laughs> Henderson. Thank you, Mr. Henderson. <laughs> oh, Florence, please don't say that. <laughs> Sounds so funny to say it to someone. You know, let's straighten out everything right now. Uh, you told me before we went on the air that people had asked you about it. Uh, um, are we related? Well, when I was back in Owensboro, Kentucky, <laughs> I used to claim you quite frequently, yes, I must admit. But actually, legally, we're not related at all. No, I'm afraid not. I think we should drop some legal papers, maybe, that we could... That might on. be a good idea, mm -hmm. you know. I can see it now. Let's see, Florence and Sketch, I Florence. suppose. That would well, be the Well, no, I give you top billing. <laughs> I think you deserve it. <laughs> Florence, your first... I think the first thing that we knew and saw of you in show business here in New York was the Rogers Hammerstein extravaganza on television. Is uh, that right? Yes, that was a great thrill for me to be... Well, I guess I was the only unknown amongst all those great talents, and they mm -hmm. were just wonderful. How did this come about? Well, uh, I had read about the R&H, you know, that they were going to do the salute to R&H, and mm -hmm. uh, I was playing in Oklahoma at the time in... Uh, Where? In Boston. I see. So I got a wire from my manager saying that I was going to do the show, and I just couldn't believe it because I'd been reading Mary Martin and mm -hmm. Ezio Pinza and all of these wonderful people, and I thought, what in the world would they want me there for? Mm -hmm. So, but... Um, Mr. Rogers and Mr. Hammerstein wanted me to do People Will Say We're In Love. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had to commute from Boston to New York every day to rehearse and go back and do the show at night. And uh, so it was a little tiring, but it was well worth it. The first day I walked into rehearsal, Mary Martin was a rehearsing wonderful guy, mm -hmm. which, of course, I just got a lump in my throat and the tears came and I went to Johnny Fernley, who works for Rogers yes. and Hammerstein. I said... I can't go up there. I just can't sing. And he said, yes, you will. And, of course, I was called next to rehearse. And uh, well, it just proved to be a wonderful, wonderful experience. And they all set a wonderful example for me because, as you know, how great all of them are. And they were all as wonderfully sincere and helpful and kind as they could be to me. It's strange, you know, we often say that the biggest stars in the theater are the nicest people, and I think you've just proven it, because people yes. like like Mary Martin, whom I've had the good fortune of knowing and working with for many years, 
I can't think oh, of any person in the world that I would th- give three gold stars to. So. You know, last night I got the most beautiful telegram from Mary Martin. Really? I was just thrilled. How, by chance, did uh, Fanny come about? Was it as because you did the R&H Spectacular? No, uh... I, well, it may have had something to do with it. I'm mm-hmm. sure it did. But uh, my first Broadway appearance was in Wish You Were Here. And I was in the chorus with oh, one line. Right. I knew that too, yes. I'd and, uh, of course, uh, I auditioned for the understudy and everything to the lead, you know, mm-hmm. when I was in the show. For all the understudies, for that matter. <laughs> I knew all of them, male and female. <laughs> so, um, Mr. Logan had, you know, he had heard me sing and, and he had seen a little of my work. And uh, so when I was in Philadelphia, again in Oklahoma, I was called by uh, Mr. David Hawker Mm -hmm. of MCA, whom I didn't know, but he said, told me of this show, Fanny, and he said, uh, I think you should do the title role. I can't see anyone else. And I said, please, you know, I'm very grateful to you. But he said, uh, Mr. Logan wants to hear you. And I, of course, I'm, my manager is Mr. Poland, and uh, Mm -hmm. I explained this to him. And he very wonderfully uh, called my manager and and set up the thing, but he bowed out completely. And I came in for an audition again, commuted from <laughs> Philadelphia. And I auditioned over an hour for Mr. Logan and Mr. Merrick and Mr. Rome. And uh, they said, well, it's uh, wonderful and uh, you're, you've grown so much, but still we, you know, we have to go further. And I said, of course, I mm-hmm. understand. I was grateful to have the audition, you know, so... Nothing happened for a few months, and I thought, well, it's kind of hopeless for me, you know. And then when I was in Philadelphia, again, we played there twice during the tour, and uh, I was called again by Mr. Logan. And he said, well, Florence, uh, we want to hear you again, but, you know, we must, it's a very big thing. And I said, yes, sir, I understand. So they called me in again. We closed in Boston in May. And I went to New York, and about a week later, they had me come and audition. And uh, they still, at least they made me feel, they still weren't quite sure. And uh, The psychology of the production. Yes, yeah. and I asked if I might go home. It had been almost three years, and uh, so if they needed me, that they could call, and I would come back immediately. And I was home about three days, and my manager called and said, Florence, it's yours. And uh, so here I am. You have just heard... <laughs> told in person a fairy story which has come true and it's just wonderful i can say from my own personal standpoint florence i had the great pleasure of course of seeing the show under rather unusual circumstances but uh, i can just tell you that i'm your fan yeah and i'm yours. <laughs> we can be the mutual admiration society so the little team of florence and skitch go down through well, the years i just in music. like to say uh, when you were saw our show under rather unusual circumstances uh, most of the cast was quite thrilled to have you in the audience and gave us a little bit of the jitters, you know. <laughs> but it was wonderful. Well, I want to thank you very, very much, Florence. I know your problems as to schedule and everything. I wish you the very best of luck in Fanny. All I want to say is the people that are across the country listening to the voice of Florence Henderson, when you're in New York, see Fanny and hear it in person and see it because it's just wonderful. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much, Skitch. Righto. Hi. This is Porchlight Music Theater producing artistic associate, Frankie Leo Bennett. If you value programming like this, please consider making a donation today at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your consideration and hope you enjoy the show. 
You are listening to Best of All, tonight featuring music from Fanny, starring Skitch Henderson, with Earl Wrightson, Clark Dennis, Elizabeth Doubleday, Sylvia Michaels, and Keith Texter, and interviews with Ezio Pinza, Florence Henderson, William Tabert, and Harold Rome. Part two will follow after a brief pause for station identification. Stay tuned for more of Skitch Henderson and Best of All over most NBC radio stations. This is Kenneth Banghart presenting part two of Best of All. Tonight starring Skitch Henderson with Earl Wrightson, Clark Dennis, Elizabeth Doubleday, Sylvia Michaels, Keith Texter, and interviews with Ezio Pinza, Florence Henderson, William Tabert, and Harold Rome. And to open the second half of our show, Sylvia Michaels and Keith Texter sing the happy rhythmic hit from Fanny, Be Kind to Your Parents. Be kind to your parents, though they don't deserve it. Remember they're grown-ups, a difficult stage of life. They're apt to be nervous and overexcited. Confused from their daily storm and strife. Just keep in mind, though it sounds odd, I know. Most parents once were children long ago. Incredible. So treat them with patience and sweet understanding in spite of the foolish things they do. Someday you may wake up and find you're a parent too. Here's a piece of good advice. Think it over once or twice. Be kind to your parents, though they don't deserve it. Remember the grown-ups, a difficult stage of life. They're apt to be nervous and overexcited, confused from their daily storm and strife. Just keep in mind, though it sounds odd, I know, most parents once were children long ago, incredible, so treat them with patience and sweet understanding in spite of the foolish things they do. Someday you may wake up and find you're a parent too. And find you're a parent 
now here's Skitch to introduce us to another star performer of the great new Broadway musical, Fanny. Skitch? Thank you, Ken. You know, the story of Fanny is not only the story of Fanny herself, played so capably by Florence Henderson, but the story of the love of Fanny and three great male stars. I don't know where you could look on her theater, Marquet, any place in the world, and have more joy and more talent than this. The stars, of course... I shan't give billing, but just mention the men, Ezio Pinza, Walter Slazak, and the man that's across the microphone with me here tonight, an old and good friend. I always think of South Pacific, Bill Tabrick. Bill? Well, thank you, Skitch. Um, I don't know about that old business. <laughs> um, I feel old. Young friend. I had, Young I had old a, friend. I had a long run in Pacific, and maybe that makes mm. me a little old. And as far as the earlier part about the three great stars, I don't know uh, two great ones, but... One, I hope someday to be in their category because they're real top-notch boys. You're being unnecessarily humble, Bill, because seeing the performance, I feel exactly the way I said. Bill, uh, is there a relation between the role that you have in Fanny and the role that you had in South Pacific emotionally to yourself? In a way, there is. Um, in Pacific, of course, I was uh, madly in love with the Tonkinese girl, mm -hmm. but uh, family background prohibited me getting uh, to the point that I wanted to marry her, and then, of course, I went off and was killed, mm -hmm. which is probably <laughs> a simple way of getting out of it, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, in this one, of course, I'm torn by the sea from the side of my loved one, and when I finally realized that uh, it's she that I love, um, in the meantime, she has gone off and married that darn old Walter Slazak, and so, of course, that fixes me up. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I better not tell any more of the story. It might tip it. I don't know, unless somebody's already told it. But no. uh, I'll leave it go just at that. Uh, what happens later is up to anybody's opinion until they see the show. However, it is kind of uh, a parallel thing. In both cases, uh, by hook or by crook, I lose the girl after having made such a wonderful start. <laughs> <laughs> and besides that, you get to sing the title song, which means I think means yes, so much it, psychologically. It, uh, it does. It's... Uh, Frankly, I'm just, I'm just thrilled with the score. Not only my music, but everybody's uh, bit of music in it. It's almost, to me, it's almost like an opera. That um, the music just, it, it's so much in context, and it, and it just flows along that it really gives me a, a real thrill to, uh, to be in this show and uh, to sing this music. Of course, I've told Harold, Harold Rome, the composer, many times what I thought of his score, and uh, maybe he thinks I'm putting it on, but I do think very highly of it. It's a magnificent score, I think. Uh, is it difficult to attain a consistency in a singing performance of the level that you would like? No. Um, once you, you hit a routine, I found that in Pacific, mm -hmm. that the beginning was a little hard because uh, you're not settled down and the, the voice probably isn't in that groove. Mm -hmm. But I find that after a few weeks of a steady routine that your voice becomes so... Uh, accustomed to the special routine and the special requirements uh, each performance that uh, they're no longer special. They become very routine as far as uh, the physical being is concerned. Of course, then you have to uh, hypo yourself all the time with the, um, the emotional yes. uh, thing. And if you don't have it, or if you cannot bring this about, then you have no business to stay in the show. You should quit and get out. <laughs> and uh, that's very the one thing man. that I felt in Pacific... When people came after me to get out after two years, it's better yes. for you professionally and all that kind of business. I kept uh, 
talking to myself, uh, not always aloud, thank goodness, um, about whether or not I still felt this thing. And I found that uh, even when the show closed, after we had done just a little short of five years, that I still got a great thrill out of doing the part. And uh, each time I stepped on the stage, I had that uh, almost opening night feeling, which is the same thing I've had with Fanny, the uh, out-of-town things and, of course, the performances we've done here in New York already. Uh, each performance is a, is a brand-new thing. I actually weep um, legitimate tears when the sad parts come along because I really get so wrapped up in it that uh, I feel sorry for myself or somebody else for the position they're in. And it, it's just, uh, I, I tell you, it's, uh, it's just, just good, that's all. I can think of no greater advertisement for any people that might be thinking of coming to New York and going to the theater than this paragraph just delivered by one Mr. Bill Tabbert, who's one of the stars of Fanny. Bill, I know that you have a horrendous schedule. In fact, I know right now we transcribed this because obviously you're in the theater performing. I want to thank you for taking the time and trouble to come by, and I hope when the next musical comes along, we can do a repeat on this. Well, I hope that this one runs as long, Skitch, as Pacific. Then you can call me an old friend. <laughs> Thanks very much, Skitch. Thank you, Bill. Harold Rome has written another appealing love song for Fanny, which Sylvia Michael sings for us now. I have to tell you. Continuing our salute to the musical Fanny, here is Skitch Henderson with the great star of the show. Skitch? I'm sitting right now in the, one of the dressing rooms of the Majestic Theater. There's a man right on my left that is very, very tired. A good, a good friend of mine and a good friend of the American public via his great starring roles, beginning, I suppose, with the opera house. 
through South Pacific. Mr. Painza, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Skitch. How are you? Oh, it's a pleasure to see you, Ezio. Pleasure is mine. I know that you're uh, more than a little tired. I think we should tell the public what you've been doing this afternoon. Well, we have worked four hours in taking pictures for Life magazine, and they haven't finished yet. They haven't finished No, yet? no, they want to uh, make uh, an hour tomorrow night after the show. I said that tomorrow night after the show, we go to bed because Wednesday we have two performances, but nothing to do, they bad. Well, <laughs> well, you know, this is, is uh, the life of the theater. Nothing ever changes through the years. Never. Edio, do you miss the opera house? Well, I must tell you the truth. I don't know now if I've been getting used to this kind of life I do now. I don't very much. I don't. Mm -hmm. And besides, I tell you, uh, many people ask me, uh, are you going back? Yeah. And I don't believe in coming back. I, I'm always afraid, you know, and I'm not afraid, but I'm sure they would stay there with the gun and say, well, it's not anymore what it was. I, I prefer to leave it like it was, you see. Are you still a fan of the opera? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I like opera very much. I think the opera is still one of the greatest entertainment we have. You know, uh, talking about the opera house, I think something rather unusual is happening tonight at the Metropolitan here in New York. They're doing, uh, you know, scenes from different operas. What do you think of that idea for an opening night? Well, I don't agree with it, but uh, as long as it brings money to the opera to help uh, run the opera, because, you know, opera is a very expensive proposition, and unless it's subsidized by somebody, uh, it's uh, very difficult. But do you honestly think that helps the opera? You say uh, if it brings money, and do you think it does bring money? Maybe it does well, this night, but... I don't know. I mean, uh, the management must have found <laughs> out that this is the way to do it. I don't know. I, I would prefer to make less money and to do it more uh, artistically. Yeah. Have you ever heard of this being done before? <clears throat> no, I have. Yes, I have heard this being done before, but uh, in a special occasion, like uh, they call it, Opera party, you know, oh, opera benefit, something like that. Mm -hmm. I have never uh, assisted in an opening with it, which is done with different acts of different operas. But this is the new trend, you know. Mm -hmm. we, I think, the, in my opinion, I mean, I don't want to be crit I don't want to criticize anybody, mm -hmm. but I think that the opera has the, has the tendency of wanting to go, let's say, Broadway. See? I see, yes. And uh, I, uh, well, I, I was born uh, a kind of a purist, you know. Yes. I like things done in the right way, in the, in the way they should be done. And uh, I don't agree, suppose, in modernizing opera that had been written 100 years ago or 200 years ago. I think they should stay as they were. What do you think of the English lyrics to the Puccini operas? Well, I don't think the lyrics that were put at the Bohemian, the Metropolitan, were, were very good. Mm -hmm. I don't think they were good. And believe me, I understand uh, that uh, the American public like to understand what they are singing on the street. Really? This is natural. But translation is always difficult because music was written for that kind of language and uh, to translate it in another language is always, you miss something. Yes. I tell you the truth, when I sang uh, in Italy, they always sing everything in Italian. <laughs> and I sang uh, Meister Singers in Italian. The really? First time, yes, sure. at the uh, Vito Scanini La Scala in 1922. But uh -huh. sometimes I didn't know what, what I was singing. I mean, <laughs> they, they, well, take an example, for, for instance, Falstaff. Yes. So in Falstaff is a phrase that in Italian it says, uh, from two to three. Yes. See? Uh -huh. and, but in the English language you cannot say, 
dalle 2 alle 3 dei attussi from 11 to 2 you see oh, instead see. of 2 to 3 from 11 I mean it, it doesn't make a great difference as long as the lower seas is lady but I, I, this is just an example that sometimes you have to uh, ruin the all meaning I mean the, you cannot make the translation literally you have to make it musically see and at the same time the words have to change as long as we're talking about comparisons in music that being in the operatic field how about a comparison or would you care to make a comparison at all between South Pacific and Fanny well the two stories are completely different and uh, the character I am playing uh, is completely different I like by the way I like very much this character of Cesar. I, love the, I love the warmth of Cesar. yeah because uh, I tell you the first time I saw the picture called uh, Fanny yes and I saw this uh, the great Remy uh, acting the part of Cesar i said to Logan, I said, you know what? That's my father. I saw my father, and the name of my father was Cesare, in Italian, so it would be Cesare in French. Yes. He had the same name. And when I, I walked on the stage, on the, what they call it, the ice cream soup, you know, when I go to <laughs> my lady love, well, I see my father walking. I really, I really. And uh, I really enjoy very much this character. Oh, I enjoyed very much uh, the back too, you know, course, don't, yes. don't, don't get me wrong. But this is complete, uh, you see, uh, and it's more, it fits more to me because, well, South Pacific was uh, a romantic part that was uh, well fitted for a man of my age, mm -hmm. see, but you cannot uh, uh, always find a good uh, romantic part for a, for a man that has a certain age, you know, I mean, after all. Uh, <laughs> this is the youngest sailor of the yacht club. Yeah. <laughs> Ezio, uh, seeing you in this part makes me think that maybe eventually in the theater you're going to go to a straight acting role could that be true? yes yes after this this is the last musical i will take really? i want to do a straight role maybe i break my neck oh, maybe it should be wonderful but uh, i'll uh, i know they say that people will say why doesn't he sing well i'm singing off my good i mean oh, uh, i'm right. singing for 40 years now mm -hmm. i mean And uh, I don't want to be nervous that uh, maybe my voice is not so well uh, tonight uh, and I have to sing. When mm -hmm. you have to speak, well, you speak all the time. Even if the voice is a little tired, you speak. But singing is another thing. And besides, when I sing, being that I come from the opera, the people expect me to sing well, yes, you see, and no that makes me nervous, you see. Yeah, I've noticed that psychologically, that people are... They are inclined to be more critical of somebody like yourself that has such a well. Uh, they a want wonderful to hear. Uh, they 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 think we, this is comes from the opera. Must have good voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to let you probably go over to Sardi's and get something to eat. I want to tell you, uh, it's been a pleasure for me to talk to you here. I hate to take your time, knowing your schedule. I wish you the very best of luck in fame. Thank as you, you very know. very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. The Harold Rome score and the Harold Rome lyrics for Fanny are particularly appealing because the composer, a man of sensitivity, finds his own emotions aroused by the simplest of life's experiences, and he's able to communicate his feeling to us in both words and music. There is, for example, in Fanny, a great song for Ezio Pinza to sing to his son Marius, played by William Tabert, a song which speaks of all the familiar things which, taken together, spell to all of us the simple concept, home. Earl Wrightson with Skitch Henderson and the orchestra sings Welcome Home. Why, even when I leave this neighborhood for only a day To go to the beach or the vineyards across the bay No matter what I do or see After turning home again 
I get to that corner and then Sweet voices, I hear sweet voices Calling to me Welcome home, says the street As I hurry on my way Welcome home, sings the gate Like a song Welcome home, says the door Glad to feel your hand once more Now you're back where you belong Welcome home, says the chair Holding out its friendly arms Welcome home, says the bed Rest on me Now you're back where you should be Close your eyes, close your eyes And the world will settle down to size Welcome home, says the lamp Lighting up familiar things Look around at your friends Good and true Get your cares all untied While you're warming up inside Welcome home Come home to back to Skitch Henderson and the composer of all these wonderful songs from Fanny, Harold Rome. You know, Harold, this might seem a, a silly question if, after all the talk 
about music and music in the theater, but how did you begin in music? It's not a silly question at all, Skitch. It's a, a very good question. I began by my mother making me take piano lessons when I was eight years old. That's how I started. There were mm -hmm. five kids in our family. Every one of them took piano lessons. Uh, none of the rest of them went to music as a profession, but I think all of us gained by being forced to take lessons and being forced to know something about music. Harold, it would be unfair to have you in this studio tonight without asking you to do at least a few of the wonderful bars of melody from Fanny. I especially would like to hear you, if you had the time, do To My Wife. And oh. also, I wonder why this was written. Did this have any uh, personal dedication? Uh, Skitch, you know just as well as I do that everything you write has a personal thing. You don't, you write out of, if you don't write out of your own insides, then it, it's no good anyway. Uh, I happen to be a very happily married man. I've been <laughs> married for 15 years. And this was a chance to uh, tell my wife that, too. It happens to fit in the show. Yes. Uh, but I, I call this the kissing song because the uh, first time I played it, I always play songs for my wife first because she's uh, uh, very good about criticizing them and uh, giving me a first audience reaction. The first time I played this song for her, her eyes filled with tears and she just leaned over and kissed me. Then it... Uh, when we had our first reading, Walter Slezak had no idea this song was in the show because it was one of the last written. And I played it during the reading, and when I got through, he came up and kissed me. <laughs> then he went home and sang it for his wife, and she kissed him. <laughs> so, well, do you think uh, we could have a performance here? Sure. I hope my wife is listening in. So gently through my thoughts All day long Clean and fresh and white Soft and strong Makes me feel Like there is nothing I can't do If I try With my wife and son standing by She may scold Say I eat too much find some fault give free advice but a meal needs that added touch of salt and spice to be extra nice words won't do there's so much I must thank her for where to start how am I to say from the heart what I owe to my critic, my partner, the flavor of my life, to my wife?
Harold Rome, I want to take this opportunity in behalf of our company here on Best of All to thank you for allowing us the privilege of paying this tribute to Fanny tonight. Well, thank you, Skitch, for allowing us to be here. And when I say us, I really mean us. You know, a, a musical is a cooperative effort, one of the biggest there is. And everybody involved is part of it. It's uh, nobody does it by themselves. It's right down from the producers, David Merrick and Josh Logan, through all these stars like Walter Slezak, Ezio Pinza, Florence Henderson, Bill Tabbert, and all the others, and everybody in the company. It's a matter of all working together, and this has been a wonderful experience for me. And I thank you for all of them, not for myself. Thank you, Harold. have been listening to Best of All, tonight featuring music from the new musical Fanny. And tonight you heard Skitch Henderson, Earl Wrightson, Elizabeth Doubleday, Clark Dennis, Sylvia Michaels, Keith Texter, and interviews with the stars of Fanny, Ezio Pinza, Florence Henderson, William Tabbert, and composer Harold Rome. This is Kenneth Banghart inviting you to be with us next week for another special musical feature on Best of All with Skitch Henderson and the orchestra. Continuity for Best of All was written by Robert Senadella. This is an NBC Radio Network production directed by George Boutsas. Portions of this program were transcribed. The stars of Fanny were some of music theater's top performers of the day. Ezio Pinza spent 22 seasons at New York's Metropolitan Opera, appearing in more than 750 performances of 50 operas. Pinza also sang to great acclaim at La Scala, Milan, and at the Royal Opera House, Covent Garden, London. After retiring from the Met in 1948, he enjoyed a fresh career on Broadway in musical theater, most notably in South Pacific, in which he created the role of Emile de Beck. William Tabard appeared in the musicals What's Up, Follow the Girls, Seven Lively Arts, Billion Dollar Baby, and Three to Make Ready. After his success in the long-running South Pacific as Lieutenant Cable, Tabert returned to singing in nightclubs and appeared regularly on radio and television shows such as The Ed Sullivan Show, The Voice of Firestone, and Armstrong Circle Theater. Florence Henderson debuted on Broadway in the musical Wish You Were Here in 1952. In 1953, she played Laurie in Oklahoma at City Center and starred opposite Jose Farrar as The Girl Who Came to Supper, a 1963 Noel Coward musical adaptation of The Sleeping Prince, which had been adapted as the Marilyn Monroe Laurence Olivier film The Prince and the Showgirl. Of course, she will always be remembered as Carol Brady on TV's The Brady Bunch. Theaters across the country need your support now, more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael Weber.